Welcome to our annual Christmas Eve Eve service at Life Church. I'm Rayanne Kern, the Director of Missions and Media, and we wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our church. If this is your first time here, or if you are new here, we are so happy that you decided to join us today and pray that you find hope, love, joy, and peace during this Christmas season. Whether you're joining us online or in person, thank you for being with us. Did you know that Life Church has an app? 
Our app is the central hub of our communication and we would love to get you connected to what we have going on. To download our app, you can either go into the App Store or Google Play, type in Life Church Huntington and download the app with our logo, or you can simply go to our website, lifehuntington.com, and on the main page, find the Download the App button. From the app, you can watch past sermons, get connected to small groups, check out events and resources, take sermon notes, and so much more. So make sure you have it downloaded to stay up to date and stay connected with us. Thank you again for joining us for our EVE service. Let's get started by joining the worship team in singing some Christmas songs, and then Pastor Mike will talk about the peace we can find in Christ. Let us know if we can help you in any way while you're here, and be sure to connect with us. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas.
All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. You never know, right, who's coming on New Year's Day. So I got to do a poll real quick. For everybody that's here, how many people stayed up? Well, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Zach. Made it to about 11 o'clock. That, that, that's about it. So again, before we jump in, I want to celebrate a little bit. One of the things that uh, we tried going into this Christmas season was this idea that we together as a church would like to do some things together when it comes to devotionals and or Bible reading plans so that, again, there's one thing about like you've been thinking about it all week and then you come and talk about it on a Sunday morning. God tends to be able to do something in your heart that maybe he couldn't do if you weren't doing anything. Does that make sense? So it's a way to be able to do things together. And again, in a church that has two services and lots of people coming to it, we're big on relationships and we're big on trying to get people to connect. So if you were on the Bible app and you were doing the devotions, one of the cool things about it is you saw people commenting and you saw people like saying like, this is what God's saying to me. So it's a cool piece of the opportunity to be able to do it together. And so during that season, there were 200 people that came together and did the Bible reading plan together. So we wanna celebrate that together as a church. And again, we wanna keep trying things that we can continue to, to, to do. All right, so. Eve Eve takes on a little bit of a different, you know, turn uh, when you're celebrating it on New Year's Day. But I am thankful that we could get together. I am thankful that we could come and celebrate together because there's so much work that goes into the opportunity that, that we place out there for Eve Eve. So one of the things that I want you to think about, so I've said this to myself for years, and I think for all of us it's a good practice, that when you look back on 2022, we should all evaluate how it went, right? So how did 2022 go? And usually when you evaluate it, you usually spend more time thinking, like if I could only change this, usually, right? Like instead of this was really good and this was really good and this was really good, usually you focus on like these are some things that I would love to change. These are some things that I would love to be different. And inside of that, usually the reason you wanna change is because you had this sense of uneasiness, you had this sense of, I don't like where I'm at, I had this sense of, like I need to change where I'm at, where I'm at either financially, physically, in relationships with people, whatever it is, I don't have a sense of, and you can put whatever you, word you want to, but I don't have a sense of peace. In my finances, I don't have a sense of peace in my marriage, I don't have a sense of peace with my money, I don't have a sense of peace with my relationships with other people, whatever those things are. And so what we're celebrating uh, in Christmas and celebrating at the end of this series called The Thrill of Hope is this idea that we have the gift of Jesus that's supposed to bring us peace, right? Now, how do you put those two things together? Because I don't think it's wrong to look at your life and say, I probably should work out, you know, like I, I, I'm a little bit out of shape or, you know, our finances aren't the way that they're supposed to be or relationships with my kids, relationship with my husband or wife, whatever that is, it needs to be better with the hope of getting peace, but the realization that ultimately, even when you achieve those things, you won't have full peace. Everybody gets that, right? Right, there's always something missing until you put the two things together, which is the peace that Jesus Christ brings into our life with the things that we should be doing. Does that make sense? So you can go out and you can get in shape and get your finances and get you know, your, your relationships right and you can work on all those things and if you couple it with, and at the end of the day, my peace ultimately comes from Jesus, it works. Because everybody knows this, I think, unless you're the perfect person in the room, and we might have a few of those people here, but you, every New Year's resolution that you've ever made, you did it, and you're telling everybody, like, just be more determined, right? If you're just more determined, and if you just worked harder at it. Well, I mean, I'm, I think I'm the majority, which would say, yeah, I worked really hard at it, and it didn't work. Right, And so some of it worked and some of it didn't work, but you can move on to the next year saying, but I still have a sense of peace with who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm on this earth, like what's my purpose on this earth, why I'm here, as I work on these other things. So here's what we're gonna do today. So today I'm hoping that as we read through 
the story, the Christmas story, that we will understand all of this and how it comes together and how Jesus being born into this earth was going to bring us peace. Now, here's one of the things that this is, I'm not sure if this is a gift or a curse, but one of the things that, that I did with my kids growing up is, is that I just said things the way they were, and there were times where my wife would be like, can you tone it down? You're scaring the children, right? Like, do you have to tell the whole story? Like, do you have to tell all of the details of the story? And I'm like, dude, I'd rather them know what could happen to them instead of just like sugarcoating it, you know, and saying like, this is the way it could be. But then there's no reality in life. And I'm like, dude, I'd rather just lay it all out there and they can figure it out, you know, from there. So in there, in that, I want to read to you this story. This is Luke 2. 10 through 14, and if I would reminisce back to my childhood, this was a story that we read, right? So you sit, you get everybody together. Our tradition was, I don't know if this was your tradition or not, but our tradition was you get together and before you open the gifts, you know, your dad would open up the Bible and he would read the Christmas story. And again, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of throwing this out there. I don't really know because we didn't talk about it. And I wasn't sure if maybe he's just reading it because he knows for the next hour it's complete consumption and chaos, right? So that you got to get a little Jesus in before the consumption and chaos so that they can offset themselves, right? Like I, maybe that was the reason. But I do remember him reading this story, Luke 2, 10 through 14. But the angels said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has born, been born to you. He is the Messiah and the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on, uh, and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor, favor rest now it's a good story right like jesus is born and he's the messiah now i'm just going to speak for myself i don't know this where this lands with you but when you're a kid or even you know in maybe as you're growing up as a young person you're like that's cool jesus is the messiah but to save me from what like it was hard to connect the dots for me like what is he really going to save me from because i mean i kind of got life by the tail Right? Like, I, there's nothing really going on in my life. There's nothing really happening. And again, I wanted to be, you know, as I sit there and think about it, you know, I wanted to say to my kids, like, let me tell you why you're going to need a Messiah someday. You know, instead of this idea that, well, he's the Messiah, and it's great, and Jesus is born. And, you know, I think for people, the reason that we miss peace is because they don't understand how it works in real life. Right? I think they, they don't get the concept of, you know, how Christ brings peace to our lives. Now, I do think as people grow up, they, they try to get this resemblance of peace by saying, well, if I give my life to Jesus Christ, that's the peace that I need because then I don't have to go to hell and then I'm going to go out and do my own thing, which doesn't work either, Right? Like, it doesn't work to just be like, I want to I give my life to Christ, and that's my Messiah, save me from hell, but for the rest of my life, I'm going to do what I want to do. So I want to read to you, because I think if you could couple these two stories together, now, I'm a realist, this isn't ever going to happen, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to sit down and say, hey, kids, come around the fire, and let me tell you this Christmas story, right? Let me tell you how your life's probably going to turn out. Because the story that I want to read to you, this comes from Luke 15, 11 through 24. I want to say, like, this is the story of Jesus, and he's a great Messiah, but let me tell you about probably how your life's going to go. And if your life goes this way, let me show you how a Messiah can fit into it. And, I, and again, I know it's probably not realistic, but my hope is, is that we can see why this is important. Now, in Luke uh, 15, it's a parable. So we know about parables, right? They're stories. But in these stories, they're taught to teach, right? So when you read a parable, the idea is you're supposed to walk away from it trying to figure out a couple different things. What's the story's main point? 
right? So what is it that the story's trying to teach? The other thing that parables do for each one of us is when you look at them, you try to find yourself in it, or you try to find the characters, right? And how do the characters fit in it? Because what Jesus would try to do is say, here's a story, and this is what I love about Jesus. When he teaches and he teaches in stories, it's relatable, right? Everybody can say, oh, I understand this because I have, or I've been through, or that makes sense to me. So when I read this, here's my hope couple things. One, you can see where you're at, right? Because inside of this story, recognizing where you fall inside of this story is going to be important on where you stand with Jesus Christ being your Messiah and has he brought you real peace, right, inside of this story. The other thing that I want you to think through is that what was he trying to teach them? Like, what are those things that he wants us to know? Because there might be some of you in this room at a different place. So here, here's my guess. Some of you have been in faith for a really, really long time, and you've been to church for a really long time, and you've heard every one of the stories, right? And when you, when you come to church and you hear this story, you're like, yeah, it's just another story about the bad people, and I'm glad I'm not bad, right? Part of what I want you to hear if you're in this place is remember you were once this way, right? Like, when we read these stories, sometimes I think you have a tendency, if you've been in church for too long, to think of somebody else Anybody? Like you're reading it and they're talking about that, that kid that ran away and that person that did and that selfish and you're like, I don't want to look, but that's, that's you. <laughs> right? Or in your mind, you're writing in your journal, I got to send a note to David because that sucker's messed up. Right? <laughs> I'm saying, so were you at some point and let's be honest, you probably still are. Right? Like, I think that's for all of us to recognize. So that might be you. You might be at a place where you're trying to get it figured out. I think a lot of us times in life, we were going really good, and then we've kind of got off the path a little bit. Anybody ever been there? Like, things have been going really good, and then all of a sudden it's like, how did I get so far over here? And you're going to read the story, and you're, you're going to say, and I want to get back, but I don't know how to get back, and I don't know what it's going to be like to go back. And somebody told me, you know, that if I go back, you know, this is how God's going to respond. And I want you to hear how God does respond and how that brings each one of us peace. And or, this is my prayer. I've been praying this for months leading up to the Eve Eve service. I'm praying that there are people in this room that have never experienced the peace of Jesus Christ. And for the first time tonight, you're going to see a loving Messiah that can change your life forever. And that you'll have an opportunity to accept him as your Messiah. So in this, when we read the story, let's talk through how this works, and maybe you can find yourself in the story. Luke 15, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued, so this on with his story, that there is a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So remember, in the story, just to give you, if you didn't catch on to this, inside of the story, there is... God who has his children, right? The father and his sons. So if you didn't know that, it's God, it's the father. His sons represent us and our response to God the father. Now I want to establish something before we get into this. So when you read it, it says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the inheritance. So he divided his property between them. Here's the, the thing that we would assume, and if you don't know this, you should assume this, based upon how Jewish families worked. If you were a son in a father's household, you had everything you needed. Does that make sense? So you're in a house, you're living under his roof, you lived as a part of his family, all of your needs were provided for you. You had all of the food you needed, you had all of the housing you needed, you didn't have to, again, work for money, you know, at the time, because they took care of your needs. As a son of the father in a Jewish household, they had everything they needed. Now, think about this. So you're living in this house, you have everything you need, you know, you don't have any, you know, things that are like, oh my gosh, we're, we're starving, or we don't have enough food, or I don't have shelter over my head, or I don't. So why would the son want something else? Why would a son who has everything he needs look to his father and say, give me my share of the inheritance, I'm going out on my own? Because understanding this is really, really important when you're telling your kids the story of why a Messiah is important or why you look at it for yourself. You know why 
that son at that point says, you know what, I want my share and I want to go out and do what I want to do. It's a couple things. Because every single person in this room will always struggle with these. this. What's the difference between your needs that God provides and your wants that will trump those needs? Does that make sense? So what is it that God said, I'll give you everything that you need? He says this, right? So for everybody in this room, you know what the scripture says. I take care of the birds and the butterflies and the flowers and all of your needs, right? I'll take care of all of your needs, but we tend to say, but I need to go out and do this. Why? Because my wants and desires trump the needs that God has provided. True? Right? For a lot of us, that's, that's the case. And so we choose to say, for right now, I want what I want, and I'm going to get it, right? So that's one thing. So inside of every one of us, you're always going to struggle with this sin, once trumping the needs that God's given you. You know what the other thing is? Is most people in this room, you want to be God. So most people in this room want to be the God of their life, right? And so if you're looking at, like, your father has set up the household that all of your needs are being met, and you're saying, you know what, I don't like that. I'm going to go out and do it on my own. You're just saying to your father... I don't trust you, right? Yeah, I mean, you're just saying to your father, I don't trust you. I don't trust the the rules that you have. I don't trust the way you're doing things. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and do it on my own because you know what? I know better than my dad. That's true sometimes, isn't it, kids? Come on. How many times did you be like, they don't know me. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know, you know, when, you're, when your parents are getting on you for certain things and you're like, they have no idea what my life is like. Like they've never lived before. You know, that's what I'm always saying. I always said to my kids, are you nuts? Dude, like I've done all, I know what you're going, I know what this looks like. I know those things. So we make a decision that we want to be God of our life. And so we rebel because we want to be the one that makes the ultimate decisions. But you know what's funny? Again, how does, because as, as a father and a mother in, a, in the real world, we're like, you ain't leaving. Would that be you, parents? You ain't getting your inheritance, you little sucker. You can get out of the house, you ain't getting nothing. <laughs> parents, come on. Nobody's like, oh yeah, you can have the half of the estate. Just do that, whatever you want, right? No, we're saying, if you want to go live on your own, go live on your own and suck it up, you know, and we kick them out, you know, and tell them to do it on their own. But do you see the response of the father? What does he do? Gives it to him. And this is an important understanding, right? When you understand the character of your father, understand that free will is a part of his character. You want to go do it on your own? You want to go try it out on your own? You want to go out and... and do all the stuff that you've always wanted to do because you think it's better than what I've provided to you? There you go. Go do it, right? And it's so important for us to understand that because a lot of people are like, well, God would never let me. No, he'll let you. If you want to be an idiot, don't worry. <laughs> I'm speaking to myself too, so I'm not like saying like, you want to be an idiot? You want to go out and make your own decisions? You want to go out and set up your own life the way you think you should set it up? He's like, go ahead. Right? There's nothing that's keeping you from doing those things. So the response of a father when we look at a Messiah is this understanding that our Messiah, right, and you should never miss this, our Messiah gives you everything that you will always need in your life to give you peace. Your struggle is always going to be, but I, my wants, and I want to be God, and I want to be in control, and I want these things to go on in my life. And again, this is the reality. This is your story too, right? And most of you, like me, have done it. You're like, yeah, give it here. I got way better ideas. I'm going to go out, although I know what's better, I'm going to go out and do my own thing, right? That's, that's a part of our story. So in that, when we choose to take our inheritance, when we choose to go out and be God of our own lives, how does he respond and what does he do? This is verse 13. So not long after that, the younger son got uh, together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him off to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So here's, here's what we know, right? So the nature of the son. So he chooses to go out, right, and spend his money wherever he wants, right? That's the squander his wealth with wild living. So he goes out and he does whatever he wants. And then something unexpected happens. Duh, right? A famine hits. You know, like a lot of times in our life when you think that you're in control, anybody ever do this? Like you set your whole life up so that you're in control? Nobody? Right, like you I mean, you line it all up. Like if I just do, and I just do, and I just do, and I just do, it's all just gonna, it's all gonna come together, right? Like you haven't sought God in any of these decisions. You haven't talked to him about what you wanna do. You've set it up so that you're comfortable and you're in control. And then you're like, a famine? Who expected a famine, right? Like who expected at some point your life was gonna get interrupted and you were gonna realize something? You're not in control. Right? The idea is understanding you always want to in your sinful nature. This is what we see. Inside of our sinful nature, you will always want to put together a, a resemblance or a semblance of control, but the reality is, is that you're not in control. The reality is, is that your sinful nature will want you to be in charge, but ultimately God will remind you sometime in your life you're not in charge. Right? Those things are going to happen. And the, the reality of all of this is that there are three things. that When you try to be the God of your life, so when you choose to make a decision and you go out and try to be the God of your life, you could say this, right? Like you can talk about this in your own story. One of the things that you see is dissatisfaction. Anybody ever go out there and you set it all up because if you thought if you just did these things, you'd be satisfied? Right? Like, you just set it up. If I get this right, if I get married, if I get kids, if I have, if we do, if we retire, if we, it'll all be good. But you realize, and, and if you don't, I'll just give you the end of the story. It's not satisfying. Right? In fact, many times when you become the God of your life, you know what you do? Is you become a slave to the world. Anybody ever been down that road? Like you set everything up and you thought it was all good and then famine or something happened and then pretty soon you thought, I'm gonna be in control and you know where you find yourself? A slave to the world, right? And here's, here's the kicker, and this might be you today or you might know somebody or you might remember this part of your life. You know the other thing that it brings? Famine. And if you've ever been to a place where you have famine of the soul, you will never forget it. Anybody ever felt empty? You don't have to raise your hand, but do you ever feel, you ever got to that place in life where you chased it all and you put it all together and you did all of the right things and you thought if I just did all of these right things, it's gonna be good and then you're just like, I'm empty. Have you ever used the words, I feel lost. I mean, I'm not where I need to be. Something's missing. Well, when you try to be the God of your life, this is this reality, right? That you're never going to get the peace that comes from a Messiah when you try to be your own Messiah. When you try to be your own Messiah and when you try to put yourself in those places, you aren't going to get that peace. Now, verse 17 goes on in the story, and this is all of our lives. So we go out and we do these things, or you're telling your kids, like, you can choose to go out and make all of these choices, but at the end of the day, this is what's going to happen when you're the God of your life. And this is his response in verse 17. When he came to his senses, but he ever had those moments? whether you wanted to or not, right? Whether, whether somebody had to whack you upside of the head or whether a circumstance of life or whether just you yourself were like, dude, I gotta come to my senses, this is terrible, right? But when he did, so when he came to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants had food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You see what he's starting to recognize? A father that he put in a certain place that he didn't see the perspective of who he really was is starting to come into perspective again. A father that even gives my servants everything that I need or everything that they need. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. So when you get to the place where you come to your senses, you're gonna have a chance, and this might be you. You're gonna have a chance to return. 
You're gonna have this opportunity where you can, when you start thinking, hey, you know, like I need to go back to the place because you know what you're yearning for more than anything, whether you know it or not? The love of a father that can bring you ultimate peace. That's what you're yearning for. What's missing inside of you, you wanna go back to the father, but I wanna just tell you something for a second because this might be you today. There is an enemy that says you're never welcome back. And you might be in that circle today. Like you went off and you did and you've been off doing and you've made some mistakes, joined the club, and then you have an accuser that's saying, you know what, you're not welcome back because of the things that you did against the Father and the way that you sinned against the Father and the things that, you know, these things were terrible. Like you should have never done these things and it's just a lie because we know, right, and you're gonna see this in a second, the Messiah that brings peace, the Father that, that we worship will welcome you back. But, listen to me, you've got to take the first step, right? You have to come to your senses and say, you know what, I need to go back. I need to return. I need to change what's going going on. Now, listen to the response of the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So here's what I want you to see. So if you were ever off running and doing your own thing, I'm gonna get you, give you a picture. And or if you're off running now, doing your own thing, I wanna give you a picture. Here's the picture. There is a father that is watching and waiting. Anybody that told you in church that God has turned, your back, turned his back on you is absolutely untrue. It's not the way it works. That's not the God that we serve. I don't care what you have done in your life, what decisions you have made in your life, how bad you thought that you were, he's still watching and he's still waiting. And here's the other thing I want you to hear. And for those people you've been praying for that you feel like are never coming back, he's still watching and he's still waiting, right? Don't forget that because, you know, sometimes we write people off. Right? Like you look at them, you see what they've done. You know, they're never going to return. They never do. And so we, think about this. This is what's crazy. The one who has the right to walk away never walks away. But we, you know what we should be doing? Standing on top of the hill, waiting with him. We should be standing on top of the hill, praying alongside of the one that can make the difference. Why should we give up when God doesn't? Right? So inside of our lives, he's teaching us something. He's teaching us, number one, what is his, his desires and what is his will, but how should we respond to? And how should we be in that? Because not only is he always watching and waiting, here's the other thing is he's always filled with love. Did you see that? Hear, hear what he says. Listen. But while he's still a long way off, his father saw him filled with compassion. Who has compassion for the kid that just stole half your inheritance and squandered it all? Let's be honest. What would you have been thinking? When that sucker gets here, he's working off every penny. Right? I'm going to teach him a lesson. Right? He deserves it. He'll never learn unless I teach him a lesson. Here is God as a father saying, I have compassion. You know why I have compassion? Because he misses what we miss sometimes. God knows that no matter how hard we try, you will never be good. Doesn't matter. You can try all you want. You can, let, you can put yourself up on a different level because you do a little bit more than other people or you're a little bit more educated than other people or you come to church a little bit more or you sin less. Listen. <laughs> When you elevate yourself up there, you lose compassion for people. Churches that become judgy or lose compassion for people is because you forgot who you really are in the eyes of God. Right? Like, and that's always the thing for me is is that I remind myself, and if you want me to remind you, I can do that too. Right, like that's what we try to do on Sunday. Like I know people hate this part of it, but they're like, can't we ever come and just feel good? I'm like, I don't know. You can work that out with him, but all I know is is that I'll never be good enough. I'm just thankful that he always loves me. 
I'm always thankful that this is where he comes from and it will always be welcome with open arms and the compassion that he will give me and that he will ultimately welcome me back. Now, I want you to hear this. It doesn't say this in this story, but I'm gonna assume it based upon all of the scripture that I've read, okay? If he leaves again, guess what? He's being welcomed back again. And if he leaves again, you know what? He's being welcomed back again. Anybody that has told you the story like, well, you've ran away for so many times, God's never welcoming you back is bull. Because inside of your story, whether you like this or not, you could probably pick a few times where you ain't been where you're supposed to. Right? You could pick a few times where you've went off the road. You should be thankful he welcomed you back, will always welcome you back. Nobody is outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. That should give you peace. That no matter what you've done, no matter what your kids have done, no matter what other people have done, the peace that surpasses all understanding is the grace of Jesus Christ will never be overcome by the deeds of your life. Never. And so now, what's the response of the son? The son now says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, this is an important part. So when we're teaching about our story, you know, you want to come back and you come to the return. But when you get to the return and you stand in front of the father, you know what you have to be okay saying? I'm a sinner. You know, I know some of you guys struggle with that. Like, you don't want to let anybody know you're a sinner. Like, nobody really knows, right? <laughs> like, you don't want to say, like, this is what I'm struggling with. But until you get to the point where you will humble yourself and flat out say, I'm a sinner. And I need a Messiah. You will never understand the peace of a Messiah. You see, there's nothing wrong with standing in front of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with standing in front of the Father and just admitting it. I'm a sinner. Because remember this, part of our problem inside of our culture today, the reason that we struggle understanding Jesus as a Messiah is because you never recognize how bad you are. Well, I, I, I lied and I did and, you know, and, you know, the people that really need repentance are the people that commit adultery or the people that go out and murder people or the people that steal from people or, you know, whatever. They really need, but you don't recognize that part of the reason that you've struggled for the past years in your life of understanding, like when we're sitting here singing and celebrating why you're not ready to just jump up on your chair and say hallelujah is because you forgot how bad you were and how bad you are. When you recognize these things, you have no problem repenting, right? And when you understand the character of a father, why wouldn't you? You see, if the character of the father's been misrepresented to you, when somebody says, well, when you go and you tell the father you're getting the belt, or when you're the father, he's gonna punish, or you tell the father he's gonna do, that's not the character of the father. What did the father do when the son came back? Welcomed him with open arms. Why wouldn't you tell him if he's gonna still love you? Why wouldn't you admit that you're a sinner falling short of the glory of God if you knew that that's the way that he was going to welcome you? Now, this is the tension in the story, right? So the tension in the story is, is that you have a son who doesn't feel like he should be a part of the family anymore, which is for all of us, right? So if you've ever done this, I'll give you a heads up. If you've ever went out and done your own thing and sinned, when you come back, you're wondering whether or not he'll really want you a part of the, like you hear the scripture, he's welcoming you back to the family, but you're wondering whether or not you're really a part of the family. Anybody ever been there, right? Like you just, in your mind, you know the scripture, but in your heart, it's telling you something. So this is the struggle, right? And the tension is you live in a world that wants justice for you because we live in a justice world, right? So anybody that reads this story, your natural reaction inside of the story is, well, to teach that boy a lesson so he doesn't do it again, he needs to, and you would have a list for him, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you would have a list. I mean, he's gotta do this, and he's gotta do this, and he's gotta do, he's gotta show me that I can what? Trust him again, right? Do you see that? Like the natural tendency is to say, God, 
stops trusting his children when they make mistakes. Right? Do you see how that, that tension that goes in there, and it's part of our tension, right? Part of our tension is, is that we think we got to earn our way back into the favor of God. You don't have to earn your way back into anything. That never will bring you peace that comes from a Messiah. You want the peace? It's pretty amazing whether you realize it or not. You don't have to earn back anything. You didn't earn your salvation. You didn't earn the gift of salvation. You didn't earn being a son. You didn't lose it when you left, and you can't earn it back when you come back. You were always a son, will always be a son, and will always be loved by a father. Right? That's who he is. Now, the worship team's going to come back up. Let me read this last part to you. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine, listen to this. <laughs> listen to what he says. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Did you hear that? Listen. For the son of mine was dead. But because he made a choice to return, because he made a choice to come back, he is now alive again. The son who was lost is now found. Now, to me, this is the story of Christmas. This is the story of a Messiah. When you're sitting around with a, a fire with your children, here's the picture that we want to give them. You know that Messiah that we just read about? You know, the one that we just talked about, the one that we just said that's come, that was born and born for you. Here's what you need to recognize, whether you want to hear this or not. You live in a dark world. You know, I want to say this to my kids. I want to say this to the people in the, in the church. You know what? Around you is darkness. Around you, we live in a dark world. But you know what's so cool? Here's what's so neat about the Messiah is the Messiah brings light. He brings light into a dark world. And we can celebrate that together. The message of Christmas is just that. The message of Christmas to each one of us is that even though the world is dark, he didn't say, well, I'm going to condemn the world. I'm going to send my son back so he can condemn the world. You know what he said? They came to bring light into the world. So here's what I want you to do. So when you light your light tonight, we're going to have you stand here in just a second. I want you to do one of two things, one of three things. When you light your light, I want you to remember the day that Jesus Christ brought light into your life. The day that things were dark, the day that, that things weren't the way they should be, the day that you realized and came to your senses and brought light into your life. Life. And that as you light your light, I want you to make a commitment to never forget and to take that light out into a dark world because you're the plan. Second thing is, if you're in this room and if you've been wandering, like a lot of us so many times, you've just been wandering and you want to come back, but somebody has told you you're not worthy, you're not ready, you've got to get your life right, I want you to light this light tonight as a recommend, as a uh, recognition that the Father's been standing on the hill waiting for you to come back. And he's going to welcome you back with open arms. And then the other one is this. So if you're in this room tonight and you've never understood the light of Jesus Christ, why he is a Messiah and how he can change your life, I want you, and I hope through this message, maybe you found yourself in the story. You've been off doing whatever you want but you finally came to your senses. You're here this morning for a reason. And you finally came to your senses and you want to come back. When you light your light tonight, you can know that if you just do this, recognize that I need to repent. I'm a sinner. And that I need a Messiah. That when you light your light, it will be changed forever. And that's what we want for you. There's no better thing than that. So if you'll stand, I want to pray for you, and then we'll light each other's candles, and then as a representation, 
And again, just remember this. If you're lighting your light and you want somebody to pray with you, pray over you, come to the front, go to the back. There'll be people wanting to pray with you, pray over you, you know, encourage you in your decision today and the things that you do. So Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you are a Messiah who has brought life and light into this world. Lord, I'm thankful that I don't get what I deserve. I'm so thankful for the many times that I have walked away, done my own thing, became God of my life, that you welcome me back. Lord, I pray for those of us in the room today that as we light our lights, we will celebrate a remembrance of the day that you changed us, the days that you've welcomed us back. And Lord, we'll make a commitment that we will be a people who will take light into this world. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. sing with me. If you haven't, take a moment and just remember to look around and know that for each one of us, we were like the sun. For each one of us, we've went away. But because of the gift of a Messiah, we can always come back. And seeing all these lights lit and being able to look around, again, just reminds me that God can change the world, not only through his Messiah, but through you, right? And that he is wanting and waiting, and let's be the same. Let's stand on the hill waiting for his children to come back so that we can be there with him, welcoming them with open arms. So again, thank you for being here with us at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>